Welcome to AUKUS Amplified from the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons, advancing hip and knee patient care through education, advocacy, research, and outreach. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this episode of AUKUS Amplified. I'm Sean Patel, I'm the chair of the Digital Health Committee. Today, I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Mark Mildren from Oregon. Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me, Sean. Today, we're here live at the AUKUS annual meeting, discussing some of the key papers and findings from the meeting. And with us today, we have Dr. Vinay Agarwal from NYU. Congratulations on receiving the James Rand Young Investigators Award. Thanks, Sean. The work is great. Your work is titled, Keeping It Simple, Are All MSIS Tests Useful to Diagnose Periprosthetic Joint Infection? So looking forward to hearing more about your work. And uh, with that, I'll give it up to Dr. Mildren. Sure, and one of the things that I especially loved about the study is most of the time when we think about research, it's what can we add? What can we do extra? What costs more to get the patient a better result? And your study actually went the other way. Maybe all the things that we do aren't necessary. Do you mind kind of talking about, first of all, what was the idea for the study? How was the study kind of conceived? Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. We always add, add, add with research. We say, what else can we do? What should we be doing? What's the other person doing? Industry kind of goes down that road also. So we have to be very careful as physicians and clinicians we always talk about being cost effective and cost savings and vigilant with our healthcare dollars. But I think this is a very easy, applicable thing that we've seen in our study. You can transition your practice tomorrow with. And what I mean by that is traditionally there was always a workup for PJI in my head, at least in, in an algorithmic process. And what I mean is step by step, you know, just like you're looking up, working up a DVT, you get one test and then another and then another, depending on your pre-test probability. In our case, we said, well, look, we've diagnosed PJI with a combination of tests now with the MSI's criteria. Industry may have capitalized on this and there's some push to do all of these tests at once and then figure out what we do with all that information at once. Maybe we need to go back to our clinical acumen as doctors and say, okay, let me get this test first, see what the results show, and then go down the roads thereafter with cheaper cost-effective tests that I think are available to everyone across the country. One of the things that you talked about was doing a shotgun approach versus maybe a sniper approach. And I, in full disclosure, like I'm very guilty of doing the shotgun approach of like, someone comes in, their knee hurts, you wanna find out what's wrong, let's just mm -hmm. order all the things. Right. Yeah. And again, that that's, Probably not right. Do you mind kind of talking about stepwise how you go about working up PJI and if yeah. it's practical for the patient? Because obviously they don't want to come back to clinic multiple times with you not having an answer saying, let's get more tests. Yeah, I think it's a definition of clinical practicality and cost savings. And there's certainly a gray area, right? You have to be realistic with yourselves. So what's clinically practical for you and the patient in the office setting and what's actually going to help make that difference? And the way I figure out is, let me give you two patient scenarios. Total knee replacements that are done. One patient has a painful total knee and there's an obvious base plate that's loose. You see it on the x-ray. They complain about the symptoms. You diagnose them with their physical exam. Everyone is ruling out an infection in that case, right? However, do you need to aspirate that knee when you have another diagnosis in front of you? The answer is probably not. In that case, I would send them for the blood work and probably if it's negative, leave it at that. And then you can do intraoperative studies if you need to, depending on your suspicion in the OR. It's very different from, I just did a total knee on someone six weeks ago. They, you know, 
initially did okay. Maybe they drained for two days longer than they should have. Now they're red, they're painful, and they're swollen. I'm going to aspirate that knee at the same time as sending the ESR and CRP off. My clinical suspicion of infection in that case is way up high. So I do want to get the information back as soon as possible. Does that make sense? Totally. You know, in both of those scenarios, do you think the risk of either treating a PJI, which is not benign in any way, shape or form, or missing a PJI justifies getting these additional tests? Yeah. So that's the other caveat of this is, you know, should we just be sucking up these costs of additional testing because the alternative is so bad? The alternative is so morbid and so expensive with healthcare dollars. Should we just be doing all of this at once to avoid that one miss? And I think the answer is probably we just need to find a better test. And synovial CRP and synovial alpha defensin, which are the two that we harped on in our study, are not those tests. I think that they are redundant in some ways. And we all probably know that in our heart of hearts. What we're looking for is a better holy grail. And I think we're trying to get there with molecular PCR diagnostics and rapid PCR testing. We're not quite there yet on a full-fledged scale, but I wouldn't be surprised if in a year at AUKUS's meeting next year, we have a whole ton of data in a bunch of institutions that's being presented about those tests and how they apply the PJI workup. So for a community orthopod such as myself, how would you work up and what tests would you send on someone that you thought had PJI? Yeah. So. Just to start with the most basic, you know, I would send an ESR and a CRP. I would not do a D-dimer as we've delineated in the paper. We didn't send that for a variety of reasons. I think that's in the MSI's criteria. But to me personally, it's a carryover from a legacy test that really has no role in today's day and age, especially because of the confounding nature of that with PEs and ordering unnecessary CTs to rule out PE if that's high. So therefore, I would start with an ESR CRP, a synovial white blood cell count, and a synovial neutrophil percent and cultures. When you send the synovial tests, send the cultures. And those five tests together, I think, will give you what you need. Okay. And if those come back questionable, do you re-aspirate and send with alpha defense and synovial CRP, or do you kind of go with your gut? Yeah, so we're starting. We typically used to re-aspirate. I can tell you about five years ago, alpha defensin was not even available at our institution. That's lagged behind other institutions across the country where we see a, a big takeoff in the usage of alpha defensin about five years ago. We were one of the last people to be able to adopt it. However, about three years ago, we would have said, yes, get the alpha defensin on your repeat aspiration. With this new information, I think... I would just repeat the white blood cell count and neutrophil, to be honest. And we're starting to be able to send PCRs. So when we do that second aspiration, I'm sending the PCR on that too. These special tests are really for the diagnostic dilemma, right? For, for a PJI that you know is a PJI, you're not, you're not bothering to add all these additional tests onto you. Right. So if you had to pick one test that is your tiebreaker, what test would you rely on if your institution has to pick one to spend their resources on? There's no question that even though culture doesn't get all six points, if you have a culture positive aspiration, that's it. For me, that's the tiebreaker. That is everything. It's very rare to get a false positive culture from a good aspiration in a joint. Sure, it can happen if you really have sloppy sterile technique, etc. But I don't know the last time I had a culture positive aspiration preoperatively that was considered a contaminant. I think that more often you may get a contaminant from an intraoperative specimen, but really a preoperative specimen that's culture positive is the one that I hang my hat on. And so 
when that becomes positive, there's really not that much more that I need to know that this is going to be a PJI. If it's culture negative, this is where it's tricky. I really look for that synovial white blood cell to drive my determination. There are a few patients where this is tricky. They may be immune suppressed. They may not have the same ability to mount a response. They may have had multiple revisions. It may be such a chronic situation that 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 cell count is just not going to meet a very high threshold, even if you use something as low as 3000 or lower. But the white blood cell count, especially in the acute setting for me, is the second best test. And again, if we can get to that holy grail where we send one PCR and we get the organism within two hours, which we're starting to see at our institution, there's nothing better than that. So speaking of the PCR tests, you know, a lot of the data is showing that there may be some natural flora inside of normal knees that are not infected. Have you had any cases where there's multiple organisms identified and what's normal, what's not normal, and how to interpret those results of the DNA testing? Yeah, we're just starting to breach the DNA testing realm, I think nationally and at our institution specifically. Some places have had it for years now, and they have a lot more experience with it. That is the caution, is the false positivities. Um, It's not just, is it positive, but is it multiple organisms, to your point? I think when it's multiple organisms, if the clinical scenario doesn't really meet the patient's comorbidities, you have to question yourself. If it's just a routine run-of-the-mill, total knee replacement in a healthy person who's just had six weeks of swelling, redness, et cetera, and doesn't have immune suppression, there's not a whole lot of reason for them to have fungal, other things, two anaerobes, et cetera. So if that comes back, you have to wonder. But when it's something you know, like Staph aureus, six weeks out, a very common organism, I think that's pretty telling. But you know, the last thing I'll say on the PCR stuff is some of these companies that do these PCRs have, because of that reason, tried to avoid including very common skin flora on their PCR panels, staph epidermidis being one of them. And so we need to get to a place where it's not limiting our ability to be thorough with the diagnostics. And I don't think we're there yet. In your study, you included some patients that they used intraoperative criteria in addition to the preoperative criteria. Yeah. Did you think about excluding those patients just because that's not something maybe readily available? Yeah. Well, the reason we did that is because the MSIS criteria breaks things down into the major, the intraoperative workup, and the inconclusive patients that need a, sorry, the preoperative workup, and then the inconclusive patients that need a preoperative workup. And if you really think about the crux of what we want as surgeons to get into, we want to be able to make the diagnosis pre-op. That's what we want. We don't want to have to go into the surgery, open the patient up and be like, oh, okay, it's infected now. So that's why we made the distinction of making our analysis pre-op and intra-op. And we were pleased to see that even when we made that differentiation, our pre-op numbers were up to almost 90% able to diagnose everybody as infected without doing an additional intra-op workup. And then it took it to another um, 12, uh, about 10% additional that we got information intraoperatively to diagnose them as infected. It's those 10% of patients that we wish we could have had a golden test that would have given us that diagnosis. Nonetheless, we still didn't send alpha defense in or CRP synovial intraop. And we were able to make the conclusive test of PJI in 96.4% of all cases. 
So are you sending any alpha defense in? Not anymore. We're really as an institution, I don't know of a single one of our practice partners that is using that test. Well, I think that's powerful too, because I know a lot of people, myself included, that have been in a situation where the clinical picture maybe is a little bit murky. Mm -hmm. Your cell count, your differential looks okay, but then you, you send for the entire alpha defensive panel. Right, and something And you get something back. that comes back yeah. positive. Mm -hmm. or, or like the, the staff comes back right. positive. And you're like, well, what do I do now? Right. Do you mind just commenting on what you think should be done in that situation? Is that something that you should take as like a culture positive? Or is that something that is just sort of, well, this isn't a great test. We can kind of chalk yeah. that up. I think you still have to go based on the MSI's criteria of being two cultures of the same organism meeting criteria for the major, for meeting a MSI's infection. And so the question is going to be, and again, I think this is going to be something that we look forward to at next year's meeting as a research idea is, is a single PCR test or is a alpha defense in synovial panel with a culture on there, does that count as one culture? Does that count as one of the two? Do you still need a second culture? Is that going to give you the three points you need for a culture positive? So for me, I think it's right now, it's probably contributing to the overall score. But unless we have two cultures of the same organism, it doesn't do the whole trick. Any last comments for our audience? Any uh, takeaway points that you'd like to share? Look, thanks for having me. It's been great talking about this study. We really enjoyed getting this off the ground. And we were seeing in our practice something that I think a lot of people are in that, you know, some of these tests are redundant and we don't know what to do with the information. And maybe it's time we start to eliminate them. So I think we want to get back to basics of algorithm approach here. Start with your suspicion, use your clinical judgment and work your way up the food chain with some of these diagnostics. Well, with that, we'll wrap things up. I appreciate you sharing your work with us. It's very insightful and Thanks to our audience for tuning in and stay tuned for our next episode of AUKUS Amplified. Once again, congratulations, Dr. Agarwal, for your award and thanks for being here. Thanks so much, Sean, and thanks so much, Mark. Thank you for joining us for AUKUS Amplified. Visit AUKUS.org to learn more about how members of the American Association of Hip and Knee Surgeons educate, advocate, investigate, and perform humanitarian outreach in the field of hip and knee replacement surgery.